Hello, this is Peter Bergman with Radio Free Oz for February 15th, 2012. You've got Oz in your ears, and I'm here to tell you that things are getting wackier as I speak. And the reason is, is that as I speak, we have more old people in this country. Now, there's nothing wrong with old people. I'm officially an old person. I'm a senior. The difference is I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid. I don't believe slick-haired preachers and people in cocked hats have anything to tell me. And I don't believe conspiracy theories. But there are a lot of Alta Cockers and Alta Cockettes out there who definitely do. Let me give an example. Across the country, activists with ties to the Tea Party are railing against all sorts of local and state efforts to control sprawl and conserve energy. Wow, that's really something to get up in arms about, trying to control sprawl and conserve energy. These people are idiots. They brand government action for things like expanding public transportation routes and preserving open space as part of a United Nations-led conspiracy to deny property rights and herd citizens towards cities. These people should not be allowed to vote. They should be sent to re-education farms. They don't have to, like, weed around the almond trees and wear, you know, dummies pointed hats, but they have to get some good, fresh, honest news. Many of these people are suspicious of environmental initiatives. Ed Ellswick, a county supervisor, tells this story about what happened at his last county meeting. They, the Tea Parties and the Crazies, are showing up at planning meetings to denounce bike lanes on public streets and smart meters on home appliances, efforts they equate to a big government blueprint against individual rights. Okay, maybe I'm thick. I'm a really old line bicyclist even though i don't do the bike lanes because i don't trust people who drive cars because they hate bicyclists there is a great bike lane by the ocean that i quite adore tell me please where's the equal sign between bike lanes and a conspiracy by the government to take away my individual rights quote they say down the road this data on smart machines you know, energy saving machines and somehow bike lanes will be used against you, warned one speaker at a recent Roanoke County, Virginia Board of Supervisors meeting who turned out with dozens of people opposed to the counties paying $1,200 in dues to a nonprofit that consults on sustainability issues. They hate the word sustainability. They can't pronounce it. In Maine, the Tea Party-backed Republican governor canceled a project to ease congestion along Route 1 after protesters complained it was part of the United Nations plot. Similar opposition helped doom a high-speed train line in Florida, and more than a dozen times, towns and counties, under new pressure, have cut off financing for a program that offers expertise on how to measure and cut carbon emissions. This goes on. These people continue to have a strong voice. We are doomed. The protests date back to 1992, when the United Nations passed a sweeping but non-binding 100-page resolution called Agenda 21 that was designed to encourage nations to use fewer resources and conserve open land by steering development to already dense areas. They have gained momentum in the past two years because of the emergence of the Tea Party movement, harnessing its suspicion about government power and belief that man-made global warming is a hoax. It's a United Nations hoax. These people 
are dumb. That's been our problem. We have not been educating people well for ever so long. You think it's bad now? It's been bad for a long time because there's no such thing as continuing education. Doctors and lawyers and various other professionals have to take courses to keep up. Why shouldn't citizens take courses to keep up? Because these people are truly retrograde. In January, the Republican Party, here they come, adopted its own resolution about what it called the destructive, insidious nature of Agenda 21. On the campaign trail, Newt Gingrich has said, I would explicitly repudiate what Obama has done on Agenda 21. Newt is such a dick, and we'll hear more about him in a minute. Fox News, ooh, good, has also helped spread the message. In June, after President Obama signed an executive order creating a White House Rural Council to enhance federal engagement with rural communities, TVA, TVA, Fox programs likened the order to Agenda 21. A Fox commentator, Eric Bowling, one of their many ignoramusi, said the council sounded eerily similar to a UN plan called Agenda 21, where a centralized planning agency would be responsible for oversight into the areas of our lives, a one world order. May I briefly recapitulate? This is Obama signing an executive order to create a White House Rural Council to enhance federal engagement with rural communities. Very needed, right? Isn't that the American dream? Isn't that the American format? The American, you know, the American gold standard, the small farm, rural, standalone. No, you start to engage them. It's part of a one world conspiracy. You remember black helicopters, jackboots on the ground, bringing us bike lanes and engagement with farmers, we in big trouble because these people are going to be the center of our attention as this loony period of Republican primaries continues on and these assholes are given serious attention. So either we have to take our attention away from them or we have to start re-educating ourselves. All I know is that we've got to get sensible again and realize that sustainability, getting more from less, saving the planet, makes sense. Duh! Thanks to Flexerol, that 60-year-old arthritic man can pump fake Kobe and float in for a slam dunk. Thanks to Semperstiff, that impotent silver-haired couple are skipping down the beach in post-coital ecstasy. Thanks to Plaque Attack, that African-American senior is off his cholesterol-free diet and back to the sizzler. And thanks to Pinot More CL, that incontinent 70-something threw away her depends and became a champion line dancer. Thanks to all of them. And thanks to us, you bought the pharmaceuticals. You bought the pharmaceuticals is a plausibly deniable division of US+. Our guest today is the man who's known among the people in the know as the man that nobody knows. K Street, Hilton Head, Kinneybunkport, Bilderberg, pissing on the Redwoods at the Bohemian Club. He's been there and done that. He's more than a consultant, more than a mediator, more than a facilitator. He is a conduit for the people who move and shake this country. Let's welcome to Radio Free Oz, Mr. Bleach Lincoln. Well, thank you, Peter. You know, this is my first media appearance in never so long. I've turned down both Rush, Laura, Rachel, Bill, Keith, and Glenn, a whole yammering lot of them. Well, what made you decide to come on us, Bleach? I suppose it's because 
All you have to do is change your voice to make me appear. But even more importantly, it's because of the critical discussions I've been in the middle of lately. I need some feedback from the people on this one, so I'm going public. You told me before the show you've just returned from a meeting with some pretty high rollers in New York City. I can't mention any names, but the net worth in the room would clear the deficit. We were engaged in what I call a synchronicity session, basically rubbing one problem up against another to get a solution. We had two issues on the table, the record number of poor people in America and the virtually unchecked flow of illegal immigrants crossing the border every day. You think we can solve both problems simultaneously? I was skeptical at first, but I'm not the idea, man. I just keep the conversation going. Like you said, I'm a conduit. The common misconception is that the ultra-rich and powerful don't care about the poor. Actually, it's just they don't know what to do with them. But they do have a plan. Spill it, Bleach. We're all ears. Okay. According to the Bureau of Welfare Metrics, the average poor person is one and a half feet wide. Well, I didn't know that. I've seen the charts, Pete. Now, if you lined up all the poor people in America shoulder to shoulder, they would stretch to 75 million feet or approximately 15,000 miles. We have 5,000 miles of unprotected border in this country, so if you ran three eight-hour shifts of poor people lined shoulder to shoulder from the Pacific Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico, we'd be totally fenced in. Well, you certainly don't support this grotesque plan, Peter. I don't take sides. If I did, the flow would stop. That's why I've come on your show to talk to the people and get their feedback. Well, let's go to the phones. Elsie Niblick of Fud Corners, Missouri is on the line. Mr. Lincoln? I'm here. You're a genius. I don't make the ideas, ma'am. I just move them along. Out here in Fud Corners, we've been using the poor as lawn ornaments for years. But they're purely ornamental. Your idea really puts them to work. I can't wait to tell the mayor. Farley Divot from Oil Spill, Texas is online too. That's right, Mr. Lincoln. I'm from the great state of all Texas, no taxes. And I gotta tell you, I'm still on the fence, if you don't mind the pun, about your plan. And what's causing your ambivalence, Mr. Divot? Which way were you gonna have the army of the indigent facing? Hmm, that never came up. If you have them facing south, then they're going to be tempted by all them senior readers and narco cowboys and all the other jumping beans they got down there. But if they're facing north, then they'll be inspired by looking at the land of the free, and they'll be mooning Mexico in the bargain. That's all the time we have, Bleach. I hope you'll come back to Radio Free Oz and keep us in touch with all the unusual ideas and schemes you've gotten in the middle of. My pleasure, Pete. I'm... Moderating the Koch Brothers Retreat next week. They want to figure out how to privatize the Supreme Court. We'll be right back. Harry Truman was a different kind of president. He probably made as many or more important decisions regarding our nation's history as any of the other 42 presidents preceding him. However, a measure of his greatness may rest on what he did after he left the White House. The only asset he had when he died was the house he lived in, which was in Independence, Missouri. His wife had inherited the house from her mother and father, and other than their years in the White House, they lived there their entire lives together. 
When he retired from office in 1952, his income with a U.S. Army pension reported to have been $13,507.72 a year. Congress, noting that he was paying for his stamps and personally licking them, granted him an allowance and later a retroactive pension of $25,000 per year. After President Eisenhower was inaugurated, Harry and Bess drove home to Missouri by themselves. There were no Secret Service following them. When offered corporate positions at large salaries, he declined, stating, You don't want me. You want the office of the president, and that doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the American people, and it's not for sale. Even later, on May 6, 1971, when Congress was preparing to award him the Medal of Honor on his 87th birthday, he refused to accept it, writing, I don't consider I've done anything that should be the reason for any award, congressional or otherwise. As president, he paid for all his own travel expenses and food. Modern politicians have found a new level of success in cashing in on the presidency, resulting in untold wealth. Today, many in Congress also have found a way to become quite wealthy while enjoying the fruits of their offices. Political offices are now for sale. Good old Harry Truman was correct when he observed, My choices in life were either to be a piano player in a whorehouse or a politician. And to tell you the truth, there's hardly any difference. I say dig him up and clone him. This is Peter Bergman. It's Radio Free Oz. Catch you tomorrow.